Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. And we are going to, we're going to be looking at chapter 6, verse 9, all the way through the end of chapter 7. But I'm going to read just chapter 6 through, verse 9 through 22. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the seat in front of you, and we'd love for you to take that as our gift to you. Genesis 6, beginning in verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh. For the earth is filled with violence through through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on earth shall die. But... I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come into you to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. What's the payoff for our faith? Think about what we do on a Sunday morning. Are we we crazy for what we do? We've, We've set aside an entire building for worship. We invest our time, our money, our energy, and our hope in this religious stuff, in this, in this Jesus stuff, in this Bible. We sing to and about someone who's not physically in the room. We close our eyes and talk to that same person. We read and listen to and explain explanation of a really old book. What are we doing here on a Sunday morning? A lot of people would say, we're crazy. A lot of people would say, we are wasting our time. Is there, is there a payoff for all of this? The author of Hebrews points us to Noah. TJ just read a few minutes ago Hebrews chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, you can look there briefly. In Hebrews 11, 
the author is, is speaking about faith. And he says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We have hope as Christians. I, I've said this before. You've heard this from other people. Hope for a Christian is not, boy, I hope it rains tomorrow, but I have hope that Christ will return. It's a conviction that something that hasn't yet happened will happen. So we, we have this conviction as, as Christians that we're not wasting our time. And, and the author of Hebrews looks at Noah's story, verse 6. He says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, we're going to see that, God tells Noah what's going to happen, and by faith, what does Noah do? In reverent fear, he constructed an ark for the saving of his household. So the story of Noah and the ark is meant to be a strengthener for your faith. It's meant to provide for you assurance. And so my aim this morning is to bolster our hope, to raise our assurance that faith in Christ is really worth it. That what we do on Sunday mornings and, of course, what we do throughout the week is not madness, but wisdom. And, and it's worth every second. And so, so let's look at the story of Noah and the ark. The first thing that we see in, in this passage, Genesis 6, 9 through 7, 24, the first thing we see in verses 9 through 13 is judgment foretold. God warns Noah about a judgment that is coming. Verse, verse 9, we see, we're introduced to Noah, that Noah is a righteous man who walks with God. And in verse 11, it says that the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence and God saw the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. If, if you've been here the past several weeks as we've been walking through Genesis, think back to Genesis 1 and 2. When God's creating, it says God made and God saw that it was good. So, and, and God gets to the end of his creation. It says, God looked, and behold, everything that he made, it was very good. God creates, he steps back, he surveys his creation, and he says, yes, this is good. And now, here in chapter 6, God steps back, he surveys his creation, and behold, it was corrupt. Everything has fallen apart. Everything good has been twisted. Everything that God designed has been warped because of human rebellion. God's plan, God's design for creation and for humanity has been thrown aside. And now everyone is doing what's right in their own eyes. Everyone is leaving God and his plan and doing what they want. And God looks, God steps back and he says, this is not good. Not only is this not good, this is broken. This is corrupt. 
humanity has fallen away from God. And because of that, they have destroyed the world that he has made. And God sees it. And, God, and God's not pleased by it. And, and because the world is corrupt, because everything is broken, God tells Noah, verse 13, I have determined to make an end of all flesh. For the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Just as when a potter is crafting a clay pot and that clay pot goes wonky, he starts over. He pushes it all back and says, this pot doesn't work. I'm going to remake it. Because it's broken, I'm going to destroy it. And that, that shouldn't surprise us that God is, is going to visit the earth here in Genesis 6 with judgment because that's exactly what he told Adam he would do. Back in Genesis 2, when God warns Adam not to eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, chapter 2, verse 17, he says, on the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. If you go away from me, if you go away from my plan, if you rebel against me, it will only lead to death. That's God's warning to Adam. And we see that warning play out. We see when Adam and Eve eat the fruit and then Cain kills Abel and then Cain's line corrupts the earth. You see that life apart from God only always leads to death only always leads to chaos and corruption. And so now they are receiving the, the consequences of their corruption. The natural end of this type of life is death. This is where it goes. That's the story of humanity. That's the story of the entire Bible. That's the story of the New Testament. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, the wages of sin is death. If you sin, if you go away from God, it will always kill. It will never build up. It will always tear down. And... What I want you to see here in Noah's time and in our time is God's not being a buzzkill. He's not creating judgment, right? He's, he's revealing judgment. He's saying this is what happens. This is where this goes. So he's not coming to a neutral earth and saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ruin your, your day. I'm going to rain on your parade and, and wipe this all out. He's coming to an earth that is a mess. And, and he comes to us today in the same way. We're, we're not neutral before God. We are at enmity with God. We have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. So God's word does not create judgment. It reveals judgment. The judgment that's already there. 
Nobody can opt out of a reckoning with God. Hebrews says it is appointed for man to die once and then comes judgment. Every person, every person will one day stand before God and give an account for their life. Everyone, none of us will avoid that. We can't say, well, I'm just, I'm not a religious person. I'm, I'm not interested in that stuff. I just try to live my quiet life. You can, you can have your religious discussions over here. That's just not, I'm, I'm just not interested in that, right? Keep, keep me out of it. No, we, we are all creatures of God who will stand before our creator. You can't opt out of this. The, the Bible's warning of the coming judgment doesn't create a problem, it reveals a problem. When, when we were living in Humboldt, uh, as I was interviewing for, for this job here and, and preparing to take this job, and so we're thinking, okay, we're going to move from Humboldt to, to Northfield, and so I need to, we need to sell our house. And our, one of our bathrooms, the, the shower had been leaking for a while, right? And, and we had just kind of ignored that the shower was leaking. But then we were thinking, okay, we're going to have to put our house on the market, so let's, let's dig into that leak. And the entire bathroom was just full of mold. And so as I'm preparing to sell our house, I had to completely gut and, and remodel our bathroom. Tearing the sheetrock off the wall didn't create the problem. It revealed the problem. The mold was under the sheetrock the whole time. And the, what 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 revealed it finally was the pressure of, I'm going to sell my house, and if I try to sell my house right now, it's not going to pass inspection. And it's going to cost me a lot of money. And so we ignored it for months, but it didn't go away. It was there waiting to be dealt with. And I finally had to address, okay, I have a bathroom full of mold, and I need to remodel this. And that's, that's the warning here. We can't say, well, I just, I don't like doing house projects, so I'm just not going to. I don't, I don't, I don't really like spiritual stuff. I don't really like religious stuff, so I'm just not going to, I'm not going to worry about that part of my life. The mold is there. And the consequences for that mold, the consequences for that corruption are There. Jesus tells us in, in John 3, whoever believes in the Son, whoever believes has life. Whoever does not believe does not have life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Doesn't come on him, but remains on him. It's already there. If you believe in the Son, if you put your trust in Jesus, you have life. And if you reject Jesus, it's not that the rejection of Jesus creates judgment. The rejection of Jesus reveals that there's already judgment on you. The wrath of God is already there in your life. There is no neutrality before God. You are either trusting in the Son 
and experiencing life and freedom and hope. Or you have rejected the Son and the wrath that was already there doesn't go away. God warns Noah here, judgment's coming. I see the earth, it is corrupt, I'm going to wipe it away. And God doesn't stop there. God does not leave Noah with a warning of judgment. He offers Noah a means of refuge. Judgment is coming. Verse, verse, verse 13, I have determined to make an end of all flesh. A little bit later, behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Destruction is coming. Verse 14, make yourself an ark. Judgment is coming, Noah. The flood is coming. Build a boat. Do something to escape the judgment. I will provide a way for you and your family to live. Death is coming, but here's the way to life. God offers Noah a refuge. So this is different from, if you think of the story of Jonah, Jonah's commanded to go to Nineveh and this, this enemy country, this enemy city, and proclaim judgment in Nineveh and tell them to flee from the judgment. Jonah doesn't like Nineveh. They're his enemies. And so he begrudgingly goes, and his entire sermon to Nineveh is, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's it. And then he walks away. That's not God's word to us. God doesn't come and say, judgment is coming, and then leave. He says, judgment is coming. Build a boat. Escape from the wrath. Here's how. And, and so when, when God warns Noah of the coming judgment, that ark becomes really precious. That ark becomes a treasured gift to Noah. It doesn't become a burden. Hey, build an ark. Yeah, I would like to build an ark. I would like to have a way to not be drowned. Ver verse 18, he's, he's warned, I'm going to destroy all the earth. Make, make yourself an ark. Verse 17, I'm going to bring a flood of waters upon the earth. Everything that is on the earth shall die, verse 18, but I will establish my covenant with you. Noah, judgment is coming for sin, but I will establish a covenant with you. I will move toward you and toward your family, not for ruin, but for redemption, for restoration. God establishes a covenant with Noah, and we're going to focus in on the covenant next week because the covenant actually comes after the flood, but he's promising the coming covenant, so we'll focus on that next week. God's, God says, I'll make this agreement with you to keep you and your family alive. God loves Noah. God extends mercy and favor to Noah and to Noah's family. family. In other words, God gives Noah a gift. And that brings us right back to Romans 6. The wages of sin is death. That's the coming judgment. 
But the gift of God is life through Jesus Christ. What you deserve, what you've earned, the wages of your sin, what you have coming to you is death. But God wants to give you a gift. Not something you can earn, but something he freely gives. And that gift for Noah is the boat. For us, it's the cross. For us, it's Jesus Christ crucified. Jesus Christ who died for your sins, my sins, not his. He didn't have any. You deserve death. Christ has taken that death and gives you his life. And that's the offer that's extended to us. Verse 19, Of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. So God's intention here, he's not only going to preserve Noah, but also the rest of his creation. Judgment is coming, but God is not done with us. God is not done with humanity, and he is not done with his creation. He intends to recreate it. We have corrupted it. He intends to make it new. He intends to continue with it. Judgment is foretold. Refuge is offered. And then verse 22, we see Noah's response. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Noah listened to God. And the author of Hebrews says that's faith. That's what faith looks like. Again, Hebrews 11, Noah believed that God existed and that he rewards those who seek him. Noah believed a flood will come and if I do build this boat like God told me to, I will be safe from that flood. Judgment is coming, but if I step into the refuge that God has provided, I will be safe. That's faith. Not, here's what I can do, but here's what God has done. Here's what God provides for me. Noah believed that God would indeed bring judgment and had indeed provided a means of refuge, and he acted on God's word. That's what James has in mind when he talks about faith with deeds. This is faith that leads to work. Faith that leads to action. Not the other way around. It's not the action that creates the faith. It's not that Noah goes and builds the boat and then says to God, can I be safe? God tells Noah, build the boat and you'll be safe. Noah believes God and then builds. And that's what we are called to. Not build yourself up so that God will be okay with you, but run to the spot that Jesus told you to run so that you can be safe. The judgment is foretold. The refuge is offered. Noah acts on God's word does what he's commanded and then there's a period of, of waiting. There's, there's, a, there's a gap 
of time. And we don't know how long that gap is. Presumably it took Noah a little while to build the ark. That was a big task. We don't know for sure how long he built. But imagine yourself in Noah's shoes. God coming to you and saying, I'm going to flood the earth. I'm going to wipe it all out. Build a boat. This isn't a two-week process, right? This is years, decades of of labor and years and decades of faith and waiting and trusting in something that hasn't happened yet. And that's where we live. Judgment's coming. There's refuge in Christ. And now we wait. And so we come on Sunday mornings. We open our Bibles in our homes in the mornings. We pray throughout the week. We, we put our trust in Christ on a daily, ongoing basis over the period of weeks and months and years and decades. We wait. But it's not in a, boy, I hope this works out type of a way. It's in a God's word will be fulfilled and this will be worth it type of a way. And for Noah, it was worth it. Judgment is foretold, refuge is offered, and then finally in chapter 7, judgment's carried out. Noah has built the ark. Verse one, chapter 7, verse 1, Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Because you've built the ark. You've trusted me. You've acted on your faith. So God says to Noah, the time's come. The flood that I told you would come is now here. And so get on the ark. The, the foretold judgment is carried out. Verse 5 of chapter 7, excuse me, verse, verse 4. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights, and every living thing that I have made I will blot out from the face of the ground. This is decreation. God has created the world from nothing, and now he's going to take the world and turn it back into nothing. What he built, he is now going to tear apart and start over. He's going to decreate what he has created. This is like, uh, I've, I've heard stories um, that Years ago, when they sailed on wooden ships, these, these ships occasionally, uh, you know, this is a germ breeding ground, so they would do these cross-ocean voyages, and on that voyage, the entire ship would get the plague. Half the ship would be wiped out. And so now the ship comes into port, and they would empty the, empty the ship, and they would intentionally sink in the, in the port the entire ship, and, and just let it sit at the bottom of the harbor for a month, two months, three months, however long, to, to wipe out the germs. How do, you, how do you sanitize a ship in the 1700s when you don't have bleach? You sink the whole thing. And then they would bring the vessel back up, plug the hole, and now you've got yourself a clean ship. That's what God's doing here. He's wiping out the corruption so that he can rebuild. In verse 11 of chapter 7, verse 11, 
In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth and the windows of the heavens were open. So you have this picture of the earth and you have water coming from above and water coming from below. The fountains are opened up and the clouds are opened up. So you've got just water filling the earth from below and, and from above. The, the flood waters come, they fill the earth. Verse 19 And the waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them 15 cubits deep. Water covers every inch of the earth's surface, even the highest mountain. Nowhere. You can't go north or south or east or west to find dry land. You can't climb down into a cave or up to the tallest mountain to escape. You can't swim and it's too late to build your own boat. Water covers the earth and all flesh, verse 21, all flesh died. The judgment is carried out. The entire earth is wiped clean. Everyone is dead except Noah and his family. It says, Noah gets on the ark. Verse 15, they went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh, in which there was the breath of life. And those that entered male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him. And I I love this line. And the Lord shut him in. Just this picture of tenderness and, and care. God is visiting the entire earth with the judgment that it deserves. But for Noah and his family and these few animals, he closes the door of the ark, shields them from the coming wrath takes away the danger, puts them in a safe place of refuge, and they sit on the, on the ark, dry. This beautiful image. We just sang Rock of Ages. Not the labor of my hands could fulfill thy law's demands, Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? These for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. There's nothing that Noah can do to be safe at this point except for get on the ark. And on the ark, the Lord shuts him in. Every effort, every effort to find refuge apart from the gospel of Christ will one day be revealed to be insufficient and ineffective. We got into trouble. We got into trouble by trying to go away from God's presence. We will only get out of trouble by coming back to him through Christ. The only safe place is the ark 
for Noah. The only safe place for us is the cross. And so that takes us to our last piece. The judgment has been foretold. The refuge has been offered. Now the judgment has been realized and the refuge is enjoyed. The refuge happens. It works. Noah and his family get on the ark. The Lord shuts him in. Back in Genesis 2, God creates the heavens and the earth, creates the Garden of Eden, puts Adam and Eve in the garden, and he says to Adam, every tree is yours. Eat whatever you want. This whole world belongs to you. It's my gift to you. Go wherever you want. Do whatever you want, but stay away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right? The, the whole world is safe except for this one spot. And now that's been flipped on its head. The whole earth is a place of death except for the ark, except for, the, except for this refuge that God has provided. If you, if you ignore this refuge, you will drown. But if you come to this refuge, you will live. Everything on earth to us is death, except for Christ, except for the cross. We have safety at the cross, but only at the cross. The only safe place, the only safe place from God's judgment is where it has already fallen. The only confidence we have the only reason that we know that God will not curse us is because he has already cursed his son. Because his son has already borne the curse for us. And so when we come to the cross, when we come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I am corrupt. I've sinned. I haven't obeyed. Help. When we do that, Jesus says, I'll pay for it. I'll take it. I have already taken it. Come. Come to me and find refuge. Come to me and be safe. I am the way and the truth and the life, and you can come to the Father through me, but you can only come to the Father through me. There's no record in, in Genesis 6 and 7 there's no record, no evidence that refuge is offered to anyone besides Noah and his family. It seems that Noah is the only one that God says, get on, the, get on the ark. We have to remember that God was gracious to offer refuge even to this one family. But now, God does offer that refuge to everyone. Revelation 22:17 says whoever will whosoever will may come come drink from the fountain whoever wants life in Jesus can have it whoever wants refuge in Christ may have it anyone who sees their sin and its impending consequences can be forgiven and freed If you have said yes to Jesus, 
He is yours today. The reason that we gather as Christians, the reason you don't just get saved and then just go off, is because we need to gather every week to remind each other that we're safe. And so I'm telling you, I'm reminding you right now, if you have trusted in Christ as your Savior, you are safe today. I don't care how your week went. I don't care how much you failed. I don't care how poorly you treated other people. I don't care how little you read your Bible. If you trusted in Christ, you're safe today. If you have always said no to Jesus, or you have been putting off a decision, or you've been distracted by other things, you can say yes today and be safe. It's not too late. There's a, a bluegrass song I've been listening to lately. It's called Bourbon, Bluegrass, and the Bible. It's great. There's a line in that, in that song. It says, baptized at 105, not a life well lived, but a life well died. I love that line. It doesn't matter how late you come to Christ. Today is the day. Today is not too late to come to Jesus for refuge. Tomorrow might be. But if you hear his voice today, you have not missed your chance. You have not sinned too much. You are not too messy or broken or wicked for Jesus. Today is the day of salvation. Today, he is calling you to come to him and receive his love, to be made clean by his blood, and to be safe forever. If you have not been finding your refuge in the cross, you can find it today. It is open to you. The door is open through Christ. And he's saying, come, if you want. It's yours So come, come find refuge in Jesus like Noah found refuge in the ark. Come find salvation. Come be made clean by his blood. Come be safe forever. And in Noah's day, refuge was only offered to Noah. In our day, it's, it's offered to all. And so we've all found that refuge and we want to offer that refuge to others. So many don't know. So many people would say, if the flood of God's judgment comes, don't worry, I've built a tower. Don't worry, I have my own boat. Don't worry, I'll take care of it. Or I'm just not into that sort of thing, so it's not going to come for me. So many people don't know. And we don't want to hoard this refuge. We want to give it away. There is always more room at the cross. We live in the gap. We live in that gap of time between the warning of judgment and the offer of refuge and the coming of the judgment. And so, so we gather to remind each other of our refuge and to spur one another on to go tell others. I don't, I want this church to be full. 
because I want people to be finding refuge in Jesus. There's maybe 75, 80 of us here this, this morning. Think of how many people aren't in church today. In Northfield, in Faribault. Think of how many people aren't paying attention. Think of how many people don't care. Think of how many people don't know. We want more to come and find refuge at the cross. Let's pray. Father, we know that judgment is coming because we see it in our own hearts. We, we ourselves, we know that we are messy. We know that we are broken. We know that we are wicked and evil. We, we, we see it. We see the way that we treat others. We see the thoughts. We know our thoughts. We know our actions. We know that it's not okay. And so, so we love the cross. We love that Christ has borne the curse. We, we love that Christ offers to scrub clean the stain of sin. Help us to find refuge in Jesus. And Father, grow our hearts of compassion for others. Give us, give us opportunities to tell others, come to Jesus, come to Jesus, and be safe. In Christ we pray, amen.